to your Thursday morning. It's Greg Morgan here. Just like you, perhaps, watching the Scotties last night. I, I was I was hoping for uh, Skylar Ackerman's Saskatchewan team to, to pull it off. They had a, a victory again yesterday morning, their fourth. Then they faced a must win. Still needed a lot of help, but they had to win last night against BC. Ah, 10-4 the final for BC. So uh, out of the Scotties, but uh, hey. Young club did some terrific things. Four big victories there. Uh, congratulations to Team Saskatchewan. But a uh, lot still up in the air at the Scotties today before the playoffs this weekend. So Curly and fans certainly enjoying that. The weekend, yes, almost here. It's going to be a busy one. Scotties wrapping up. If you're watching that, the Midwinter Blues Festival I see starts here in Regina tonight. Goes through the weekend. Telemiracle is on Saturday night through Sunday. Not at the Connexus Art Center, like the old days. No, it's again at the Real District, inside the Trade Center. The Real District, that's going to be busy again this weekend. The Pats are gone to the U.S. for their road trip as they get the brand set ready for the Montana's Briar coming up on March 1st. And, of course, as always, over the cooperators, I see it's going to be a busy place. There's a, a wheelchair basketball tournament on, a hockey Regina under 18 11B tournament at the Cooperator Center. It's going to be another busy one. I was in Bethune watching uh, under-13 hockey last weekend. And it is nice to get back into a rural rink. There's something about it. Makes me happy. The board's all scuffed up and coated in dark black puck marks. The glass is covered in scratches, not nearly as clear as it was the day it went in. And most of those rural rinks are freezing cold. But uh, there's always that same irreplaceable smell of ice. Rubber and, well, I guess sweaty socks of hockey determination. (laughs) I don't know what it is. It has the perfect smell, and you you can't put it into exact words. But rural rinks, just a great vibe for me. The history in those old rinks, so strong, you could just smell it. And when I step into one, I return to my childhood with the hope of beating the hometown team and celebrating after the game with Dad, the plate of fries, the rink burger. Stopping in Bethune last weekend... It all came back to me, and it made me wonder, where is the best rural Saskatchewan rink in your mind? A lot of hockey, moms and dads and grandparents listening. Come on. Text me, one 877 Or use the CJME Morning Show Facebook page and tell me right now, where is the best rural rink? And throw in where the best burgers are, too. Uh, Brandy Bastura said it's the Cabri rink. They've got fabulous burgers. Jason Hunt. Votes for the Saudi Communiplex, suggesting it's the best and the burgers are to die for. Uh, Margaret Simmons says, come on, Lang, it's the oldest rink in all of Canada. Yeah, I think you're right there, Margaret. She says, too, they've got amazing burgers. So uh, let's do it. Let's find out the best rink in rural Saskatchewan. Even if it's miserably cold, there's something about it. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. Let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words, when I was a little kid, I never once thought one day I'm going to be an astronaut, nor did I ever want to be. And to this very day, you couldn't pay me enough to go in a small capsule rocketing towards the moon like this next guest of mine, Jeremy Hansen, who is set to fly to the moon on the Artemis 2. 
mission, which is next year. He will become the first Canadian to ever venture to the moon, leaving next September with three others. His trip lasting 10 days. Jeremy's from London, Ontario, but as a fighter pilot, trained here in Saskatchewan at CFP Moose John not long ago. Welcome to the show, Jeremy. Nice to have you here. Oh, I appreciate it, Greg. First and foremost, was the Artemis mission not supposed to happen in 2024, or am I wrong? No, that's right. We were, initially, we were aiming to launch at the end of this year. We recently delayed the mission by about 10 months to September of 2025. For me and the rest of the crew, this is really the smart decision to take. And in, in a nutshell... We learned some things that we didn't quite understand. We realized there were some more experiments we could do to, to better understand them. So we understand the risks that we're accepting and the ones we can mitigate. From our point of view, it's smart risk uh, mitigation uh, decision. So that everyone understands, because we've all seen those images of man on the moon, this mission is a lot different, isn't it? Yeah, there are a lot of differences. Uh, we're not uh, you know, just trying to get to the moon and then uh, collect a couple of rocks and come back. We're trying to go there to stay, but this time with an international partnership and strong partnerships with commercial space. So this is a very different beast. We're also looking to go to the south pole of the moon, which is much, much more challenging. All the Apollo missions were in the equatorial region on the near side of the moon. We think there's frozen water on the moon and these permanently shadowed craters. So that is very interesting from a scientific point of view and potentially enabling uh, exploration and longer duration stays on the moon. So a lot of exciting stuff there. But most importantly, setting up the collaboration with internationals and industry so that we have a sustainable exploration program of our solar system. Use the moon to figure out how we're going to get to Mars all the time, developing technology and innovating that will help us live better here on the planet. Jeremy Hansen, my guest. i really like you to kind of help us understand just how far you're going to travel, because I believe this is like this has got to be like thousands of times farther than even the International Space Station, right? Yeah, exactly. In fact, you, you, you nailed it. So the International Space Station is about 400 kilometers above the surface of our planet. The moon is a thousand times further, about 400,000 kilometers away. How are you going to get there safely? There's there's four of you in total. Describe how this happens and what you're in and the rocket that starts it all off. How do you do it? We had to develop a new rocket called the Space Launch System. It's the most powerful rocket we've ever flown. Uh, we flew it once in uh, the fall of 22, nobody on it. So Artemis 2 will be the first time we put a crew on top. We have a new capsule called Orion. The four of us will ride in and fly. We'll launch out of Florida. We'll spend about an hour and a half flying around Earth once, do some quick tests on the capsule, make sure that it's good for a little bit longer in space. Then we'll fire our engines. We'll go out really far. We'll go out to 60,000 kilometers from Earth as kind of a mini test of the capsule that'll take about a day. And then if everything is still good after that day, all our systems are working, then we'll do our translunar injection. We'll speed up to about 40,000 kilometers an hour. About Mach 38, we'll fly out to the moon around the far side of the moon. We're going to see some extraordinary things, and then we'll come zipping back home, hit the atmosphere at Mach 38, slow down, and land in the Pacific. Well, much respect. Jeremy Hansen set to fly to the moon on the Artemis II mission next year. Your kahunas are bigger than mine. I'm a scaredy cat. (laughs) I'm pretty respectful of what you're about to do. Take us through the the exercises and the preparation. How do you get your body ready? I mean, this isn't an Olympic sport or anything like that. It just, it's a matter of staying healthy, managing the stresses of all the training. Um, I just stay active every day, try and uh, exercise. That really helps me a lot with just managing the stress of the training demands. There's a lot to do. We have this great team of people I was talking about before, and they have 
ideas and plans on how best to prepare the crew. We do things like uh, train in a simulator. We do exercises of when everything is going as expected, and we do a lot of training for when things aren't going the way they're supposed to do. Just like you'd see in a movie like Apollo 13, we have those people in mission control that have our back, and we exercise that on the ground over and over and over again. People coming up with crazy ways to try to kill us in space, and then we as a team try to figure out how to survive it. It's, uh, it's really impressive to watch that team work. Another example, we're going to go out in the Pacific Ocean the end of this month. We'll put a, a mock-up of our capsule out in the, in the Pacific. We'll be bobbing around. The crew will get in there, and then the U.S. Navy is going to exercise coming to rescue us after the mission, get us in a helicopter and back to a ship. And we'll, we do this stuff for real. We practice everything we can before we go. Okay, well, i got to take a quick break here. I'm going to ask you to stick around this morning, and uh, I want to know about the four of you in there, how much room you have, how you p- plan to sleep, and i got to know whether or not there's Wi-Fi up there so you can watch Netflix. Okay, we'll get to those questions in a moment. Can you stick around? Sure, Ken. Awesome. Jeremy Hansen flying uh, to the moon next year on the Artemis 2. Hey, from the NHL, we'll be checking in, of course, in sports with Kevin Martell. But I got to know, did Austin Matthews get goal number 50 in Phoenix? Matthews shoots, scores! Number 50 for Austin Matthews in his backyard. Yeah, it's a league leading 50 goals. Oh, wait, he got another. So 51 on the season. He, of course, from Phoenix to do it in front of the hometown crowd which sounded like it was Leaf Nation because it's a smaller rank, right? And there were so many Leaf fans there. But uh, they beat the Coyotes 6-3, and he became the fastest U.S.-born player to reach 50 uh, in that Leaf victory. Oilers and Bruins last night, what a game that was. I'll talk about that in a touching moment for Louis DeBrusque, the play-by-play announcer on the Oilers broadcast with his son playing for the Bruins. What happened? It's very cool. I'll get to that about 6-20 this morning. Back to the Rocket Man, Jeremy Henson, at a sec here, but not before I uh, mention how the Regina Maid Society, who is uh, busy uh, getting all settled in their new digs there in Harbor Landing, but they are dealing with an influx of dogs lately, apparently, at the shelter and really need uh, adopters or fosters. Last I checked, there was something like 40 dogs looking for forever homes, and the rescue had lowered its adoption rate for dog owners or potential dog owners to $25 to encourage uh, adoption. So uh, if you can, uh, reach out to the Regina Humane Society and assist. If you're a dog lover, that might be just what you're looking for. Okay, back to Jeremy Hansen, who set the fly to the moon on the Artemis II mission next year. He will become the first Canadian to venture to the moon in a trip that's going to last 10 days. And thank you again, Jeremy, for sticking around here a little longer. But let's get to some of the dangers now and even to get a sense of what this trip might be like in that capsule. How much room is there with four people going? Imagine a minivan and uh, crawling in there with three of your buds <laughs> for uh, nine days and uh, never getting out. And that's kind of what it's like inside the capsule. We don't have a lot of room. In the future, you know, we're going to have a lunar lander. We're going to build this lunar gateway, a space station around the moon. Uh, Canada's building a third generation of space robotics for that. And so there will be more room in the future. But our job in Artemis II is a stepping stone to those future missions. 
all we have is the capsule. Our job is to test every single aspect of that capsule. So it is pretty tight. It's important that we launch as friends and we land as friends, but the people I'm flying with are just tremendous people. So I think it's one of those things. There'll be some shared suffering along the way, but that'll make the bond stronger. And uh, we're really good at having fun and laughing together. So uh, we'll be okay in there. Jeremy, will you download a bunch of movies on your iPad like my kids do when we go on long uh, trips? Um, we, you know, we do have uh, a tablet device. We could take some movies, but I'll tell you, I mean, it's only nine days. All you got to do is look out the window of the most extraordinary things that I could possibly imagine staring at will be there. But any free time that I have, I don't plan to watch movies while I'm in space. I'm, I plan to see the moon up close. But most importantly, we as a crew really want to reflect back on our planet. You know, we all believe, I think you would agree, we're just not doing as well as we could as a human race on this planet right now. And uh, Artemis missions are not going to solve that problem. But we do hope that by four humans looking back on our planet, taking pictures of every single human alive and sending them back, We'll just have people pause, even for a moment, just remember we're all connected. And if we want to thrive on this planet, we have to collaborate. We have to create together versus destroy. And we have to take care of this planet. That'll be what I'm watching. Beautifully said, my friend. But still, without Wi-Fi, I'd be a little concerned up there. Anyhow, I digress. Jeremy Hansen is going to fly to the moon in the Artemis II next year. So there sure seems to be a lot of satellites and space debris in our galaxy now. How risky is this mission, Jeremy? There's uh, there's quite a bit of risk involved with uh, that. It's something that we, we know it could happen. We track we track most of the debris and sat on all the satellites, all the active satellites, and then most of the debris down to a certain size. So we know what we have to fly through, and we will maneuver to avoid what we know of. But there are pieces smaller than we can track, and uh, we know we have to fly through that. That does increase our risk, especially on this mission profile, because not only we have to go through it like once on the way out and once on the way back, but we also have to go through it on that extra test um, orbit of the Earth that takes a day. So we have a couple of extra journeys through some of the most uh, the busiest places uh, in orbit around Earth. Um, if we do take a hit and we let's say we did get a hole in our spacecraft and we couldn't repair it, we do have these pressure suits, these orange pressure suits that you see and. They've come up with a clever strategy for us to survive in those for many days as required until we can get home safely. Recently, you returned to Moose Jaw, where you uh, spent some time at CFB. Uh, tell me a little about your time at Saskatchewan that got you to this point going to the moon. Bit of a homecoming for me. I haven't been back in a while, but uh, this is where my aviation career really started with the Royal Canadian Air Force uh, in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. Just an amazing time in my life where I was achieving, you know, on a path to achieving my goal of becoming a fighter pilot and uh, had extraordinary experiences here. When I look back on my path, what I sort of naively did was I set this goal of becoming a space explorer. But then I, I did this important thing. I, I just shared it with other people. I just let them know that I was interested in this. And then that team of people over time curated my experiences, pushed me, challenged me, and ultimately it was that team that got me to this place where I have this extraordinary opportunity to represent Canada, a country that will be the second to have a human fly into deep space, which is pretty extraordinary compliment to the country and uh, makes me super proud. Awesome. Any idea when next year? Like, is there a month you can kind of project that you might be going? Oh, absolutely. And we've set September as the target date that we're working towards. And as of right now, we, we don't see anything standing in our way of meeting that launch date. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not really that far away. You're a good man to join us here this morning. I appreciate your time. And it's been wonderful and, and fascinating at the same time. Uh, figuring out how you guys pull all of this off. And it sounds extraordinary. And I thank you for your time. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. That's when spoke was spoken.
I'm Greg Morgan, and uh, if you're a Leafs fan, you're probably rejoicing not only in the victory last night, but Austin Matthews did this. Matthews shoots, scores! Number 50 for Austin Matthews in his backyard! Right there in Phoenix, he got goal number 50, and then 51, they went on to beat the Coyotes 6-3. to That's going to be hard playing there. For Arizona, smaller rank, it's it's kind of a dump compared to everywhere else in the NHL for now as they wait for a new arena, hope to get a new arena one day. But there are so many Canadians there, the Snowbirds, and it sounded like Leaf Nation. Uh, another game that I uh, I found too late to stay up and watch, even though I'm an Oilers fan, they hosted the Bruins. Let me jump to the second. Boston up 3-1 already when this happens. Well, the shot stop, they stop. So that would be 3-2 Boston, but that was uh, DeBrusque, an Edmonton native with his mom and dad watching. You see mom's in the audience, but dad Louie, of course, is on the Oilers broadcast working. And his son hadn't scored in 10 games. So go to the beginning of the game with me here for a moment. In the Oilers broadcast, Louie is interviewing his son, and he pulls a piece of paper out of his pocket, says to his son, you remember making this when you're a wee little kid? to inspire his son to hopefully shake that 10-game scoring skid. Listen to Louie in the broadcast, this son. And when you were youngsters, and one of them, you oh, made all yeah. oh, the golden tickets. And you know what? I looked over this whole coupon, and it doesn't have an expiry date. So I'm cashing it in tonight, kiddo. A goal assist or 30 push-ups right here. <laughs> I don't know if I can do that right now, but I'll keep that in mind. Appreciate that. All right, love you, kiddo. Have a good one, all right? Louis DeBrus with his son, who hadn't scored in 10 games, and a little piece of paper that he made as a kid for his mom and dad, and he used it. He he said a goal, an assist, or those push-ups. Well, he got that goal, and he would get an assist later. Back to the game, down 4-2. The Oilers score two goals in like 70 seconds, tie the game up, but Boston goes up a few minutes later, 5-4, and then the Oilers tie it again. 5-5, it's overtime, but... All right, all their fans, we got a single point. Bruins win it 6-5. to five. What a thriller that was. And uh, in other action around the NHL, the Habs lost 3-2. Connor Bedard was back in action with the Hawks. They lost again, 3-1 to the Flyers. But this is cool. Bedard was mic'd up during the game, and they caught an interaction on the bench where Captain Foligno seems really annoyed with him. You don't trust me, I'm going to get that to you. You're just slow. Right yeah, now. but if you pull away, I know, but then I think the back checker gets to me. Are you calling me slow? No, I didn't say you're going slow at your time. I don't know if you caught that. <laughs> he accused him of not being fast enough, and Polito says, you're calling me slow? And he looks rather annoyed, but... Uh, just before the camera takes it away, you see him kind of like smiling. So I think it was just ripping the youngster anyhow, but uh, no points for Bedard last night. CJME news time is 627 now.